now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, chilling with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. And it's that time of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It's at the crib with Frank, where we talk Miami Hurricanes, athletics, of course. It's football season, so it's all about football. And then we'll dive into some high school football and recruiting for the Hurricanes. And it is Texas A&M week. And... Miami will finally get a chance to really prove who they are. I mean, um, Miami of Ohio, good team, not great. Texas A&M, top 25 team, SEC team, big boy game, as D.C. Lance Guidry said. So this is going to be fun times at Hard Rock Stadium, hopefully, for the Hurricanes fans by the end of the night. But uh, this is a game where we are going to see if Tyler Van Dyke is going to push the ball downfield. It's it's really kind of a a topic of conversation because uh, last week he passed for about 200 yards, uh, was decent as far as throwing the ball, 17 of 22 uh, passing efficiency, and and but did have an interception. And also did have a touchdown pass, albeit that was basically all Kobe Young on that on that one uh, touchdown pass. And we go, we are going to kind of figure out if what the coaches said this week was either real talk or coach speak. So I'll bring it bring up a, a couple of tweets that I tweeted out this week. And we'll kind of, you know, just give our opinion on if this is real talk or coach speak. And Coach Shannon Dawson, you know, said that, you know, he's always, always going to take his shots. That's part of his DNA. Uh, The way that we are built, honestly, people are going to have to stop the run. So that's kind of what he said there. So based on what he he said, Frank, is that is that real talk or is that just coach speak? Hey, it's coach speak. I don't think he wants to give too much on, on what his uh, scheme is going to be in his plan for Texas A&M schematically. I think his offense, despite being an air raid attack, is going to be very balanced this season. We don't really know what Tyler Van Dyke is yet. I, you don't know if you can really rely on him uh, as the core of this offense. They ran for 250 yards last week, and I know it was against Miami, Ohio, but that was the number one team uh, rushing-wise in in their conference last season, and they've been one of the best group of five defenses in all of college football uh, over the last few years. So uh, they had, you know, they had a, uh, a high-performance tackler uh, in the middle, their defense guy with over 125. 125 tackles, I believe. They had two defensive ends that were, you know, very productive last year, five-plus sacks, solid TFL numbers. So I I think that with the bevy of running backs that they have, Mark Fletcher looked really good. Henry Parrish looks efficient, as he always does. Uh, Don Chaney looks healthy. A.J. Allen is an explosive player. You got four running backs that you can rely on, and I think they're going to utilize that. 
Uh, I know we, we want to see Tyler Van Dyke throw it downfield, but does he have the talent to really throw it downfield? We don't know what Tyler Harrell can really do as of yet. Colby Young is a vertical threat, but you know defenses are going to key on him. He's going to have to make plays like he did on that 44-yard touchdown screen that that you know was basically a, a top 10 play of the week in college football from what I can tell. But overall, it's he, he's going to be balanced throughout, and I don't think he's going to show any cards before this game. Yeah, speaking of that, I mean, he kind of spoke to that as well as far as not showing any cards uh, for for this game. And because many were were thinking that we were going to see a whole air raid offense, right? We were going to see them really kind of push the ball down the field. And and Coach Shannon Dawson basically came out and said that, you know, we didn't do a lot of things that were even on the – Sheet uh, last week, meaning that, you know, there was a bunch of plays that they probably could have called that they didn't call. So what do you think about that statement? Do you think that's real talk or, or coach speak? Yeah, that's real talk. They played a group of five opponent that they knew that they were better than they won by 30 points. It, it wasn't a game where they really had to show anything. It's, it, it's very similar to, College, like high school football early on in the year when they don't play very good teams or a tune-up game in college football. It, it's, it was just one of those games where you wanted to see what you had uh, personnel-wise rather than schematically. And, and I, I think this week is going to be more of a week where, where the big guns are brought out uh, by uh, both coachings, by, by both coordinators at Miami. You're, you're going to see a lot of different pressures from the defense. You're going to see, you know, more – not not as not as simple of an offense, I guess you could say. It's still I think there's still going to be that balance with the run and passing attack, but I think you're going to see some some sprinkling in of some downfield throws from DVD, and you're going to see some things where they're scheming certain guys open, you know, utilizing Colby Young in, in a way that they maybe didn't last week. So yeah, I, I think that's real talk. I don't think that's coach speak. In a way, it's coach speak because. They, they always say every single offense coordinator says we didn't show what we wanted to. And it's a little bit of cockiness in a way that I kind of like, right? Like even with not doing anything, we still almost had 500 yards in total offense. That's right. good. Let's let's, are you going to up the ante this week? I guess we'll see. Right. 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 And I, I'm kind of excited about it. I, I, I really like the fact that, that he said that because, you know, a lot of people were, were looking at this game thinking, okay, well, this is very vanilla, and I'm not really seeing a lot from this offense that we thought we were going to see. So the fact that he said that really, you know, bodes well for not not only the just this game, but really for the future here. So uh, another statement that kind of was interesting from the coaches this week, uh, this one in particular was from Coach Cristobal, and that was about the tight end room here. And, you know, going into this game, we thought – that Elijah Arroyo was going to maybe get, you know, some burn here. And he did not. He didn't even get a chance to play because he wasn't dressed. Um, so, obviously, that was a little coach, coach speak on Chris Ball's part last week. And then this week he says that, you know, that, that it's hard to say. Uh, they're progressing uh, as far as his rehab is concerned and from what, they saw today they were 
uh, very encouraged. And then uh, I, I'm actually the one who asked this question. And then I, I, I asked about Jaleel Skinner, because if we're not going to see Arroyo, then that means we're going to see Jaleel Skinner, right? Um, but we didn't see him last week. Well, who we did see, we saw Riley Williams and we saw a bunch of Cam McCormick uh, blocking and who did a great job blocking, um, you know, for those big runs, by the way. So just based on those comments, uh, Frank, do you think, um, you know, Chris Ball's leading us on again with some more coach speak, or is that real talk? We've seen some candid moments from Mario, right? Like the come pick up your kids moments, things like that. Almost everything that comes out of his mouth is coach speak. And, and, and I have no problem with it. He likes to keep, keep things, you know, in-house. He is not going to tell us what is going on with Elijah Arroyo's recovery. He is not going to keep it real. He's going to keep it positive. He's going to give us surface, surf, you know, superficial information, surface level type stuff. This is total coach speak. He's not going to give us anything on what's going on with that tight end room. Because if he did, he would have told us that we're going to see a lot of Riley Williams this year, right? We're going to see a – it's going to yeah. be a we, temper expectations for Jaleel Skinner. He didn't come out and say any of those things, right? He just says he's excited. He's he's very rarely not excited about something. It's just how Coach sure. Cristobal is. Uh, and, and he's going to give us, you know, a little bit to chew on and not enough to really go on. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, your guess is as good as mine or any fan's guess is as good as mine as to if Elijah Royo is going to play or if we're going to see Jaleel Skinner. The part about where he says uh, about Skinner, he's working his way into the lineup. He's a good football player and he's working to get more reps. There's a little cause for concern because the fact that you know, if he would have came out and said that he got a little banged up, that's the reason why we didn't see Skinner at all, then that would be more okay, right? Uh, but the fact that he say, okay, he's working his way into the lineup, which means he needs to still prove something to the coaches to get playing time, which is, like I said, kind of a concern for a sophomore player who is a blue chip guy coming out of img academy flipping him from alabama we're expecting big things from from the guy and the fact that you know coach says that that he hasn't proven i guess enough uh to to you know see him on the field is a little concerning you know which what say you about that what's concerning to me is that he's really not getting any reps as a receiver i i thought in this air raid attack that he would be a guy that you could put out opposite Colby Young, because what Isaiah Horton put out there last week was really not that encouraging. You don't have a ton of big bodies in this in this receiver room, and I thought Skinner would be able to fit that mold. And the fact that he's really not, uh, you know, stepping up and, and showing that he needs to be one of those modern day tight ends, those Kyle that Kyle Pitts type guy is kind of showing why maybe Alabama let him go in the class, right? So, I I, I think that this is more of a candid approach from Mario. Right. That the fact that he's actually telling us that, you know, he's working his way into the lineup. That that means that to me that Mario Mario is seeing more from Riley Williams right now as a total tight end than he is from Jaleel Skinner. And I know he hasn't fully said that in that quote, but I'm just kind of trying to read between the lines and, and honestly the right. fact that we didn't see much from him 
at all, you know, throughout the offseason, you know, in the spring game, he didn't really do too much, right? He hasn't completely stepped up in the absence of Elijah Arroyo. It's pretty telling that this quote is honest, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% uh, agree with that, but it's concerning. Well, we'll, we'll see if we, we'll see a, a Jaleel Skinner sighting on, on Saturday or if we're going to see Riley Williams again. One thing's for sure, we are going to see Cam McCormick. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> we're going to see plenty of him uh, who, like I said, was outstanding in the run game. Maybe we'll see him in the pass game as well. Uh, because, you know, as we spoke about earlier on this pod, uh, we have yet to see a lot from this offense, according to Dawson. So let's dive into this game, though, Frank. Uh, Texas A&M, I mean, they blew the doors off of New Mexico, who is probably maybe the worst team in college football. You could argue that. And, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. I think if Miami played New Mexico, it'd be a similar result. I think Miami of Ohio is a better team than New Mexico, but um, obviously a big challenge for both teams. Both teams are are so identical in what they went through last season compared to this season. Five and seven records, anemic offensively, um, bitten by the injury bug, um, got rid of a lot of guys, brought in a bunch of transfers. So, you know, what do you think Miami will prove? On, on Saturday? If they'll prove that they're on the right track or they're on the wrong track. Because right. both these teams are very much in similar situations. They both are coming off five and seven seasons. They're both have, they both have coaches that have really good pedigrees but haven't really proven anything substantial anywhere other than, you know, inheriting somebody else's roster. I... I, I I think that Miami's in a good spot heading into this game. We really don't have major injuries uh, yeah. on either side of the ball. Offensive line is healthy. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke remotely healthy. I think another week from the thumb will he'll be fine. All four running backs that should be an impact are healthy. No suspensions from what we're hearing right now. Uh, defensively, we, everybody is there. They only had three points last week. I think this is just the ultimate game that's going to decide on where Miami goes. Is Miami a 9-10 win team? You got to win this game. You got to be able to beat some ranked opponents. Because if you're going to win 9-10 games, you got to beat like a North Carolina or a Florida State or a Clemson or somebody along those lines. And if you can't beat a Texas A&M team that does have a lot of questions, you're not going to be able to do that later on in the year. And I think another thing that they're going to be able to prove is can they continue to play tough with under Lance Guidry against solid quarterbacks? Last week they played uh, a quarterback that was one of the better quarterbacks in the group of five rankings. I know he was hurt the year before, but the year before that he was, you know, basically 30 touchdowns on the board. Uh, sure. They're playing a, a, a kid, uh, Weidman, who has some dual threat ability. He, he's got yeah. some Johnny Manziel to him. Uh, he came out of last week as the most efficient passer in all of college foot, football. I know they played the Lobos, and they are right. one of the lowliest teams of college yeah. football. But overall, he is a very talented player, was a former blue-chip quarterback, and a guy that they have a lot of confidence in. So, you know, him, Evan Stewart, it, it, this is going to be a prove-it moment for this defense that has a lot of first-round potential talent. 
Uh, are we going to see what we need to from him with Key Mesador? Is Nigel Lee Kelly going to step up after a rough week last week? Is the linebacker core going to continue to show that they're really solid? Wesley Bissane, monster week last week, almost an 85 grade by Pro Football Focus. Francisco Malanoa showing that he is one of the better linebackers in college football once again against the Miami, Ohio last week. Defensive backs really didn't play play bad, less than 150 yards passing uh, sure. last week to the starting quarterback. So overall, I think this is going to be a big moment for the defense, not so much the offense because – I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. We saw this be 17 to nine last year, I think was the final score uh, between Texas A&M and Miami. If Miami can hit like 28 points, I think that they win this game because I, I, I think that the defense is going to come out and make some big, big noise. And, you know, as long as they can key on the likes of Amari Daniels, who led Texas A&M in rushing last week and, and limit, uh, you know, breaking the pocket for Weidman, uh, I think they got a chance to, to kind of run away with this one. This is a prove-it moment for so many different players and coaches. Uh, I think for Tyler Van Dyke, for one, uh, Tyler Van Dyke really wants to ride his wrongs from, from last season. The wide receivers looked abysmal last, last year in this game, dropping balls here and there, including a key one late in the game by Bashard Smith. Uh, punt return well, what was a concern last last year in this game with uh, Tyreek Stevenson with a with a fumble in a critical moment that led to a score in this game uh, and the offensive coordinator uh, Shannon Dawson is really going to show and prove why he was hired and if he can break down this defense who is littered with a bunch of prospects that may be going to the NFL so I think that this is this is a moment where we really find out what this Miami team is all about. I think that Miami of Ohio team uh, game really didn't prove a lot. It proved that they're not terrible. You know, that's that's what it proved to me. Like this team is not below average by 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 any standard. Um, but this this game against Texas A&M will prove are they just average? Are they above average? Are they close to being back? It's like kind of one of those three. For me, and and an another thing I think we'll find out very quickly is if uh, we can stop the run because all, although although uh, they did a great job last last week, a, a, an outstanding job, negative negative yardage in the first half against Miami Ohio, we all know this is a different animal in Texas A and M, and yeah, they they pass the ball a lot. Bobby Petrino likes to sling uh, the ball around a lot, but. I think Miami, if Miami plays off, you know, coverage, then uh, Texas A&M is going to be, is going to force, be forced to, to run the ball. And, you know, if they can do that, then I think they're in a good spot. I think this is going to be a close game as well, Frank, because like I've been saying, they, these two teams are really close, you know, as far as their, their trajectory with their programs. And I think this could be a turning point for either team. And I'm not sure if you if we want to make a make a uh, prediction right now. Uh, of course, we'll we'll be putting together our predictions later. In we the can do a spread. We can uh, do a spread. Uh, all right, we'll do a spread. All right, uh, I'll let you start off since that's what you do in the high school game. So I'm gonna put. See, I, I'm I feel like I'm gonna go biased here a little bit. I'm going minus six and a half Miami. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to give them, 
I'm going to go minus six. I'm going to go minus six. Wow. I'm going to give them three. I'm going to give them three points because they're the home team. Uh, I do think that this is going to be a close game, um, but I do think that they're at least one score better than Texas A&M. I know Texas A&M brings back a lot of talent uh, on the defensive line. They are loaded. Shamar Stewart's not even starting for this team. So, and, right. I, and I know Shamar, you know, isn't, you know, he didn't come out and lit the, light the world on fire, but he is a very talented football player. And the fact that he is a rotational guy on this defensive line that, that includes Walter Nolan, who is one of the best defensive tackles in all of college football, proves that this is a really good front seven. They had a linebacker that had three tackles for loss last week. Like, there's a lot of speed. This is an SEC-style defense, and I think that this is going to be a clash of two really good defenses. I don't necessarily know if it's 17-9 to as it was last year, and obviously I'm going to need till Friday, Friday or Saturday, when we finally do put those predictions out, the predictions out that I'll need a little bit of time to to figure out a score prediction. But minus six for me, I feel pretty comfortable about. I'm sure that Miami will not be the favored team, uh, you know, for the final, uh, you know, spreads from Vegas uh, by Saturday morning. But – Overall, I, I do like where Miami's at. Maybe a little bias on my part, but I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to have enough maturity to lead this team to victory. This running game is really exciting for me. It's, you know, not 01-esque or 2000-esque, but I do think that this is one of the this is one of the better units Miami has had in the backfield in a long time. And, and, I, and I'm excited for what they're running behind because if Inez Cooper is the weakest link on your offensive line, you're going to be in a solid spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, it's a little bit closer. I, I, I'm going to go Miami minus two on this one. Uh, I think it's a close field goal game, uh, and I like Miami's chances in the field goal game with, with Andy Borgallis, the home crowd. I feel like it's going to you know play a factor, although there's a lot of talk of this game not being sold out as of yet. I still feel like it's going to be a really good home field advantage for the Hurricanes fans that will be in attendance. This is South Florida. This is South Florida. Nobody does anything on time in South Florida, (laughs) me included. Okay. So, like, everybody's going to buy their tickets either the night before or the day of. They're going to show up in the middle of the first quarter, just like they do (laughs) in Heat games and just like they do in Dolphin games. It is what it is. This is not a town. Everybody's running on Cuban time. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. But, you know, even if it's not sold out, I do think it's still going to be a home field advantage for, for Miami. And I think they um, they use that to the to their advantage and, and squeak one out here. Um, but uh, as for now, that's how I think. Uh, we'll see how I feel by the end of the week. But this is a huge game for recruiting. Uh, Frank, there's a ton of guys that will be in attendance for this game. And there's going to be just a bunch of eyeballs watching across the country, even if they're not in the game. I mean, there's a ton of blue chip players that Miami is interested. You can go to canescounty.com, of course, for that full list. And make sure you subscribe to canescounty.com for free using the promo code Miami30, part of the rivals.com network. So, how big is this game really for recruiting? Um, it, win or lose here for the Hurricanes. Oh, it's it's huge. It's huge. Right. Just just to start off, maybe the top remaining target on the board is Aiden Breland. And rumors are that this is a Miami Texas A and M battle right now. I know Oregon is is going to be a factor there as well, but Miami 
if you come out and, and beat up on Texas A&M, you might end up winning out on one of the better defensive tackles in the country out of the California area, right? You know, you miss out on David Stone. It looks like LJ McRae, who is going to be in attendance for this game, is yeah. kind of leaning towards Florida State. So to be able to round out your defensive line group with a guy like Aiden Breland, this will help with that cause. I also think it's huge because Miami's going after so many of the same guys that Texas A&M is, it, not just in this class, but in 2025 and 2026. You see Texas A&M with the influence of James Coley, their wide receivers coach, and their defensive backs coach, Brian Gross-Armientos, two guys from South Florida come down here and recruit some of the best of South Florida on a yearly basis. It, you know, for you to be able to have an argument over those guys when they do come to this area, you got to be able to say that you you at least split in a two year in a two year uh, you know matchup with Texas A and M because if yes. if they go two and zero against Miami in a two year span, they might be able to come down here and really get whatever they want. So I, I'm a little worried in that aspect. Right in recruiting, there's there's always going to be narratives played. Negative recruiting is a huge thing. James Coley is the guy who coached at Miami. He knows what it's like down here. Brian Gosarmiento has played at American Heritage Plantation. He's South Florida through and through. Coached at Georgia. Like these are two guys that know how to recruit, and they're gonna spin it in their favor if Miami cannot pull it a pull you know, at least one out uh, against the Aggies. It, it, this is a must win in my opinion for recruiting. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, it's it's going to be a, a, just a great indicator as to how this 2024 class ends up for Miami and as well as 2025 kids. A ton of 2025 prospects will be visiting Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday. Uh, so as far as recruiting is concerned, it's kind of a, a slower time uh, now that the football season has started. Uh, but what are you hearing as far as uh, recruiting is concerned for the Miami Hurricanes, and who do you think that they land next? It's big fish only right now. Uh, you're looking at the Aiden Breelands of the world. You're looking at Booker Pickett, who is going to be in attendance as well for this game. Uh, sure. LJ McCray is a guy that they're going after hard. Chris Cole, uh, the legacy linebacker, who it looks like it's going to be – it looks like Georgia right now, right? They look like the team to beat. Miami still wants him. Um I think really you got to look at Aiden Breland. It, that's the guy that you got to look at. I know that Miami offered a couple of defensive tackles, one of them a pick commit. I don't think that they've moved enough with those two guys for those guys to be guys be a guy that ends up, you know, locking it, locking in at some point. But you got 22 commits in this class. It's only going to be guys that they're extremely high on from here on out because this is a staff that is going to utilize the transfer portal really heavily. You don't want to just take guys at the end of a class just to take guys. They, they have hit at every single position on this cycle. Judd Anderson is looking like a star at the quarterback position, now transferred to Warner Robins in Georgia. And a half of football, passed for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns, is playing with a really strong supporting cast and on a better roster. And, and he looks like a guy who, who could make a rise up the recruiting rankings in the 2024 cycle, especially in a weak quarterback class. At running back, you got your two guys, Kevin Riley and Chris Wheatley Humphrey. At receiver, you know it's Jeremiah Smith as the remaining target. You got Chance. You got Josiah Trader. I wouldn't be surprised to see them keep pushing for Ryan Wingo, but we don't know where that's going to go. 
because he thinks yeah. he keeps things pretty tight lipped. It could be a Tennessee, it could be a Missouri, it could yeah. be any, it could be Texas A and M, right? He could turn around and say, "I want to go to Georgia." Like, there's so many teams in play for Ryan Wingo that I don't think you can get a good feel on where he's at. Uh, offensive line wise, you have a number of guys already committed after adding so many guys in the last cycle. Um, defensive line, you're already at four. We talked about Aiden Breland, LJ McCray. Uh, I still think that they're going to push for David Stone. We heard how his family wanted him to go to Miami. And I think that they're still going to be in his ear throughout the process. When he put the hat on for Oklahoma, I thought it was coming off. I thought he was throwing it off to the side. He put it on so soft and, and, and yeah. unconvincingly, and it was just sitting on top of his head. And I know sure. he wasn't worried about messing up his hair because it was halftime of a football game. So, <laughs> I, so I still think Miami's going to continue to push there. At linebacker, you got two guys. A, a guy to just keep watch, Darius Hayes. Uh, he's a commit for Florida. He's a he's a guy this staff loves. He's six foot four, six foot five, but plays like a six foot tall linebacker. Just fast, physical, gets sideline to sideline quick, makes plays, instinctual. He's a guy that you could really round out your linebacker class with. James Nesta is another guy that this staff likes, uh, who's an Oklahoma commit. Had I think he did end up taking an official visit to Miami, or he did visit a number of times. So he's a guy that Miami likes at linebacker. So those are two guys to watch for me. Defensive back-wise, Xavier Mincy would be the only guy I see them adding, or Siona Eloa, who they I don't think that they get. I think he stays on the West Coast, the ju- number one Juco corner in the country, four-star prospect, six-foot-four kid. He's really good. Miami is still working to, to keep alive in that race. He's been on campus several times. He does like Miami. I just think the pull of staying on the West Coast is going to be there. And then Aber Murray. The number one kicker in the country probably is already committed. So Miami has a strong class already. You got 22 guys in the class. Overall, I think that they're only going to be looking at big fish, whales, as this staff calls them, going forward. And the first one on the bo- off the board, in my opinion, could be Aiden Breland. All right, we'll see if Aiden Breland bites as one of the big whales uh, that Miami is fishing for. Uh, so let's talk a little high school football. By the way, go to canescounty.com for any updates on targets and commits. Frank Tucker is all over it. Uh, so go to our website to check that out. And we'll also have a high school preview coming up soon as well. So let's talk about high school football because you uh, – you went with the hometown team, of course, uh, last weekend in Miami Central. And unfortunately, it was a great game, though. It was a great game. Came down to the end. Final possession. Your guy, uh, Micah, you know, ended up crushing the hearts of many down here in South Florida. Uh, just your take on, on, on that game on the West Coast between Bishop Gorman and Miami Central. First off, I wish a Power 5 school would take a bite on Mike Alejo because – if he was six feet tall, we're talking about him as the best quarterback in the country. He is so talented. And I know that Central lost this game. with In 44 seconds, this kid went down the field in 80 yards. 80 yards he took Bishop Gorman against a loaded Miami Central defense and, and won it uh, in, in a game against two top 10 teams. And it's a testament to how good this kid is. Obviously, I'm a little biased. He played for DEFCON this year in seven on seven in the Obviously, I have some ties to that program, but Micah is such a special kid, and he proved it once again against Miami Central. But we saw some really good performances from Vincent Chavers, who 
had seven or eight tackles in that game, a couple of PBUs playing more of a nickel-type role. Big linebacker Sam Will, Sam backer-type position. Uh, Ezekiel Marcelin, really good game. Uh, you know, it was hard to get Micah down, but Armando Blunt got a strip sack uh, at the end of that fourth quarter. That was big and almost ended up being the defining moment of that game. Randy Adarika, nice push on the pocket. Congrats to him on, on earning, uh, you know, earning the status of being a rivals 100 prospect in that 2025 class. Um, and, and obviously it ended up being a game that came down to literally the last drive for Miami central. They got the ball back with 21 seconds and couldn't finish it, but what a classic and two of the best teams in the country. Um, but we did have some good games last week. You know, the Chaminade, you know, put it on Cardinal Gibbons. We saw Zaquan Patterson get another huge play, uh, viral type play. Um, in coverage, right? Like not not coming up and playing the run as a strong safety. He's proven every week that he's getting better as a true defensive back. He's not a guy that's going to transition to being a linebacker or anything like some people have and some people in the industry have said. Um, you know, I see Chris Ewald straps once again. Uh, obviously, Davion Gallus is a stud, but Jeremiah Smith almost on 100 yards again. We didn't see Josiah Trader in this game. Kyle Washington scores a touchdown. Trick Lewis scores a touchdown. Those are two guys for Miami fans to watch in 2025. And that St. Thomas game, they blow out Fort Myers. Ryan Mack, listen, I, I know everybody just thought Ryan Mack was a guy that this staff took uh, just as a bridge to uh, the rest of the purple machine. He is a star, okay? And there's a reason he hasn't allowed a single catch so far this season. And he got his first pick of the year la uh, last Friday. And it was textbook technique from Mr. Mack. And he, he looks really good. He's filled out. He's fast. We already know he's 10-6 type speed in the 100. I think that he's a guy that could make that rise into the four-star ranks and further help this Miami class push to be a top 10 group. Uh, but overall, Miami, Miami yeah. commits. And if you go look at that article on our website, you'll see that a number of Miami commits, including Elijah Lofton, who had four touchdowns in that Miami Central game, really put on a show last week. So go check that out. It is uh, You can take advantage of it by utilizing our Miami 30 code. You get your first 30 yeah. days free at Canes County. It's a, it's a great promotion that we constantly have available to you for our new subscribers. Come get a yep. taste of what we do at Canes County. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that anybody in the industry covers the high school landscape of South Florida and the Miami commits and targets like we do, especially since the season has started. So you guys will get a really good grasp of what's going on on that landscape. Uh, and then obviously Marcus does an incredible job of covering the press conferences, practices, getting insight on what's going on in the program. And I do my best to try to keep my tabs on what's going on with Miami Hurricanes football and Coral Gables. And, uh, you know, obviously we have the 305 Sports Twins who do an excellent job with our graphics and, and obviously pushing – uh, social media in a heavy way. So give us a shot. Utilize that Miami 30 promo. You can see it at the bottom there on that ticker. Uh, go to the website. If you go to our homepage at the top, you just click there and it'll take you right to it. All right, perfect. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to discuss, of course, your rankings here so uh you you put out a, a weekly a weekly ranking and i'm pulling up right now for 
our viewers on the YouTube channel uh, to see. And no surprise uh, with uh, who's number one here. There's a surprise uh, three, There's a surprise Central. three, <laughs> There's definitely a surprise at three, but the fact that Central lost, I mean, it was a great game and a, and a you know, top five team, and I understand why you're keeping them. Very interesting that, that you kept them at two. Um, you know, considering how they lost because St. Thomas, they lost to a top five team in the previous week, but they were dropped. So I, I, I need you to explain that. I think it's just a matter of how the game went, right? Because I watched St. Thomas in person and I feel like they were getting punished in a lot of different ways. Listen, Nick Rodriguez looks really good. Ryan Mack looks really good. Chance Robinson looks really good through two. In the second game, he looked better than the first game. They didn't really get him the ball in the first game. But overall, it was 20-7 to for a lot of that St. Thomas, St. John Bosco game. And I just felt like that they were outmatched in a lot of different ways. I felt like Central had a win that got taken away from them last week. And I do feel like that they played a better team than St. John Bosco. So for me, I kept them at that number two spot just because comparably, I don't think that anybody underneath them goes to Bishop Gorman in a hostile environment. They got the lightning delay you know, the situation that it is playing Michael Aedo, who I I go out on a limb and say he's the best quarterback in the country. I don't know if he projects out as the best NFL prospect, but I, if you compare his resume in high school to any other quarterback in the country. Are you talking about like re regardless of class here or? Oh, regardless of class. It's not even Regardless close. of he, class. Best quarterback. Hey, listen, wow. he's the best quarterback in the country. He's going to be a four-year starter. He's got mobility. He's accurate. 70% completion percentage type kid. A 50-touchdown type kid. 4,000 yards passing. State championships. Wins over elite opponents. Uh, he could have had a national championship last year if, if he's able to sneak out a tough game against Matter Day. This year, he goes to, you know goes through Miami Central. Gets his second win against Miami Central in three years. That's huge. Uh, and, and we know how good Miami Central is on a year-in, year-out basis. So I'm not going to take anything away from Miami Central based on that game. Now, they do have a tough game this week against Booker T. Washington and Travis Powell. That's a top-five matchup. Booker T. is going to show us who they really are, and Miami Central is going to show us who they really are. Because in yeah. week five – we get the matchup of the year with Shamanad Madonna and Miami Central at Traz Powell. So this is going to show us, is Miami Central ready for Shamanad? I never thought I'd be saying, is Miami Central <laughs> ready for Shamanad? I thought it would be for any team. <laughs> but Yeah, or any team. But So we're going to see this week. Right? You know, Everything I'm hearing from the Miami Central camp is that now it's time to put punishment on everybody because the jokes are being made. They're 0-1. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it, – we're going to see. We're going to see what happens with Miami Central. I don't feel like I can make a move in a power ranking. If I was doing the college football rankings, they probably drop just based on the loss. But overall, I, I don't feel like in a power ranking, I can make them move because I don't think that Norland goes to Bishop Gorman and beats them. I don't think St. Thomas goes to Bishop Gorman and beats them. And I don't think anybody five down really has a shot. So overall, I'm going to keep them where I'm at. Depending on how this week goes against Booker T, that'll dictate some movement there. Uh, Norland yeah, moves yeah. up to three. I, I, I've i been drinking the, the Norland Kool-Aid like ever since that first game. I saw them against Ely. I saw them in person, and I was just like, whoa, this team is loaded. They loaded pretty much at every position. Uh, I am not surprised that you hit them at three. They're well-deserving to, to, 
to be in that three spot, especially with our guy, the Predator, EJ Yapor, just dominating the scene. And he's starting to get a lot of national love now. Uh, he's getting national love on, on our platform, Rivals.com. And like with with YouTubers, I mean, destroying and shouting him out or whatnot. So he, he's getting his just due, and I'm glad to see it. And he's 25 too, 2025 kids. So this is this is a kid that will be even better next year, which is kind of scary for anybody facing him. The only other que- the other questions that because this is my first time seeing this ranking. Here's the questions I have, obviously. Western at seven. I, I Western at seven over Columbus, and then Palmetto yeah. beat 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 Homestead. So you would think that would move them ahead of a Western. I think Western is too high on this list. Uh, you know, Listen, Western, I mean, Western Western beat a top fifty team. They beat a top Western fifty team. Good team, man. They're they they're a beat good team, Milton. They beat why would, Milton. Why did you put them over a Columbus who's won state championships? I think has a better quarterback. I mean, come on. Top to bottom, you're saying that Western is better than Columbus? Absolutely. 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 And listen. Bias speaking. That's your Homer bias. It it could be, man. It could be my Homer (laughs) bias. Listen, I know Columbus is super well coached. I say it all the time. Dave Dunn, their head coach, is an absolute cheat code, former college coach. He'll probably be back in the college game before it's all said and done. Alberto Mendoza is one of the best quarterbacks in this region, not just South Florida overall. We know Bryce Fitzgerald has a ton of talent, top 250 recruit, and the rivals 2025 class. Jose Leon, one of my favorite players. Uh, And I think that they have a lot of talent on their front seven. But I've stuck with the narrative that Western is is higher in my rankings throughout the offseason and through my first few rankings with them higher than Columbus. And my thing is, I think that they win the state championship this year. I think that they've really added a lot of talent. There's power five kids on this team. They have a ton of kids at every single position. Overall, really good, really good team. Um, And I think that they're going to prove it this week against a Coconut Creek team that I have at 11. They almost knocked off a top 25 team in Gainesville from Georgia last week. That's the same program that produced the Sean Watson and, has routinely had state championship caliber teams out of the Georgia area. Uh, So overall, I think that they're going to get another W this week, which is a signature win in South Florida. Columbus, listen, Clearwater Academy is a solid team, but they're not 0-3. And I think you got to take that into account when when you're putting the resume. Like They played a Killian team last week, who's really not that good right now. And I love what Palmetto's doing. They beat Lakewood 26-10 last week. Um, and I, yeah. obviously they, obviously they beat Homestead, but the Homestead win was 13 to 12. That, that was a matter of extra points for Homestead in, in losing that game. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I want to see a little bit more from Paul Meadow just because I had them out of the rankings, uh, in my initial rankings. So I think rising them up into the top 10 is a Colorado type type ascension. Uh, you know, especially after having a rough season last year for Palmetto, I do think that they have a nice little squad. Corey Barney is a stud. Everybody knows what my opinion is on him. I hope that he ends up in this Miami class and doesn't go to Nebraska to waste away like every other South Florida kid has. Because uh, I think he could be a superstar on the college level. He's playing quarterback right now and tossing multiple touchdowns a week. So he's he's just a, a star type player, in my opinion, that could play 
wide receiver or defensive back at the college level? I'm going to tell you what, Frank. I like Creek over Western, bro. I'm going to tell you right now. Wow. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. You're trying to break I, my heart right now, Marcus. I, I, I like Creek doing? over Western. I mean, I, I'm, I'm as, I was impressed with what they did against Monarch, and then Monarch, you know, battled a pretty good team from Georgia last week. Oh. I'm not that high on that Milton team, although the quarterback, obviously, he's a Miami commit. And he looked great. You got you got the but, Rod Gatling, who's a Texas A&M commit. You got okay. CJ Wiley, who on the other side is a six foot four receiver in our top two fifty for the twenty twenty five class. You got multiple Division one defensive backs, a corner that's being recruited by Ohio State, another corner going to Tennessee. Now, what I'm are we buying. doing here? I'm not I buying it, man. I'm not buying it. We'll see what happens, but I'm. I'm picking those Creek boys to beat uh, Western because oh my lord! You know, I just I hate to say this, but um, I want Davi Belfort to prove me wrong as a good quarterback. I I, I want him to prove me wrong and just show me, okay, well this this uh, commitment to to Virginia Tech was warranted. I I have I saw him in person against Milton and I didn't see that. Since I haven't seen that, wow. Uh, I, I I mean, besides a, a shovel pass to Kobe Howard, which was an amazing play by Kobe Howard, I think he scored. He willed his team to victory. He willed, willed his, team his team to a to tough victory. victory. He willed <laughs> his team to victory in a tough game where he took punishment throughout. He okay? did. He, I give him he that. He took punishment throughout. He turned the ball over zero times. He got the ball to his number one receiver eight times for 110 yards. Yeah, and listen, and he scored, and he scored the game-winning touchdown. Basically, we'll see. Well, we'll we'll see. I, I, I'm, and he I'm outplayed not. a Miami commit quarterback, who it, we feel like is it has the has the potential to be the number one quarterback in 2025. His playmakers let him down in that game. I think they're they're, they're the playmakers on Milton are overrated. Uh, and I think if he got better protection and he got some receivers that weren't giving up on routes, as we saw, I think that could be a different end result. If, so. if my aunt was a man, she'd be my uncle, but she's <laughs> not. So facts, big facts there. Um, but yeah, I still think Columbus is better than Western Booker T and heritage. I mean, it's a shame, you know, the situation that happened with Tim Burroughs. I, sh- I certainly hope he, you know, recovers, you know, fully, and maybe we see him back on the field. But it's a shame that we didn't see those two teams play against each other because I think they could be tied for that fifth spot, um, Booker T and Heritage. Heritage is really impressive in, in, in their game against St. John's. Booker T very impressive in, uh, so far this season. Uh, the other teams at the bottom, I'm, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm okay with. I like Plantation. I, I definitely like the fact that they are in the top 50. 15 here miramar looked pretty good as well gibbons you know they they uh you know i i think they're 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 in the 15 for probably for name recognition um but they have yet to really kind of prove how great they they are this season um but i don't have any issue of them being in the top 15 south ridge is an interesting team uh to make the top 15 why'd they make it uh they they I had a really solid showing against a crop team that that is actually pretty decent. Um, overall, they haven't lost yet. I think you have to give credence to that. 
you know, you got some teams like Monarch lost to Atlantic really close last week, and they were probably robbed by the refs. But overall, you're one and two. Uh, if we look at things, you know, for what they really are in the last three weeks of football, Ely got absolutely blasted by Norland, and I know that Norland is my number three team, but 35 to nothing at one point, you can't back down from that. Like, that's right. not something I can give credit to. So I wanted to give some love to down south. I feel like sometimes, you know, because they're out of sight, out of mind, we don't really give them enough love. But Southridge is, is building a really good, you know, program over there. They won the district last year over Homestead. Uh, I, I They were a team that I actually had in my top 15 in the second half of last season. And they're proving once again that they have a good enough quarterback play with really good receivers that are super underrated that yeah. they could become a team that becomes a dark horse as this season goes on. So I like where they're at. You're 100% right about Givens. They played Dillard this week. Dillard's not what they were, but they still have a lot of talent. And if they struggle against Dillard, I'm 100% moving them down because Plantation yes. is dominating right now, granted against lesser competition, but still putting up 50 points per game. Miramar played a really tough game against a 15-0 team from Virginia uh, two weeks ago, uh, and, and I think that they're really talented as well. So we could see a drop from Gibbons to potentially even 15, depending on how this week goes. Yeah, last thing, uh, man, are, are you getting some heat from Liberty City, bro? Because Northwestern Absolutely is not, nowhere to be found on this list. Oh, man, they, <laughs> you, listen, you lost you lost to Vero. You got running clock by Chaminade. You know, like, listen, a, a win over, you know, average to below average opponents isn't going to isn't going to sway things. They have a tough schedule. They have a really tough schedule this year. It is a loaded, loaded schedule. I think if they play like Venice and, and have a good showing, that's when we see them back into the top 15 because everything right now points to them being good because they have a ton of talent. But you got to put results in the field against quality opponents for you to be able to be respected. They are another team that's like one and two in three weeks of football. That You, you got you to gotta give credit to teams that win. And if you're not winning, I, I, you know, your, your name matters only so much. Like if, like I know Gibbons lost last week, but they didn't lose to Plantation. They tied Plantation 45-45. If they would have lost the week before, Gibbons is probably out of my ranking. And, yeah. and I'm probably putting Ely in there because Ely did, you know, beat Cypress Bay 43 to like nine last week. So overall, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking with this group, especially because you have some teams that are playing. Uh, and another game that I'm really looking forward to is that Coco-St. Thomas game. St. Thomas hasn't necessarily looked like St. Thomas uh, early on this year. And I don't know if it's early season jitters or it's, you know, their young quarterback finally getting the job and, and having to adjust to it. But Coco has dominated through the first few weeks of the year. They beat up on Venice. Uh, they, you know, they beat Jones. And those were two teams that were supposed to be top teams in the state of Florida this year. So yeah. overall, I, I think Coco and Ryan Schneider, who was once the offensive coordinator at St. Thomas Aquinas and one of the best friends of the head coach at St. Thomas, uh, like he knows what's going on at St. Thomas. He knows what they're trying to do. And he's going to try to pick them apart. Coco's a really good team. And I honestly, St. Thomas could be on upset alert this week, depending oh, wow. on how, how this goes. So 
that's really my big game of the week. I know that everybody's going to get wrapped up in Booker T Central, but Coco St. Thomas is my game of the week. Another big game, both of those games, should, I mean, are, are going to be outstanding, I think. Um, but another big game is Bergen Catholic uh, visiting Chaminade. Uh, Bergen Catholic. <laughs> Catholic is ranked as a top 25 team nationally. I don't know too much. I don't know anything about this team. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, do you know, it, it, you obviously, you, you think one way about this team. Any chance that they stop a running clock? There is 0% chance that they win. I don't know if it's a running clock just because Chaminade is not a team that likes to put it on people, right? Coach Damian Jones is one of the more strategic head coaches in all of South Florida and all of high school football. When he gets his team up to a comfortable manner where no team is coming back, he's going to pull the starters. There's no re- He's not one of those guys that is in, has an ego or has to – Put a team, put seventy on a team to feel good about what his team is. They're okay winning thirty-five nothing. Yeah. So for me, this Virgin Catholic team is a top twenty-five team in the country, borderline. They're good. They have some power five kids on their team. A really good receiver. Uh, they, I think they have a running back that's really solid as well. But this, I, I put, I got point spreads are going to come out this week. If you want to check it out, go to the Crip South Florida on Instagram. Those. Those will be out later today. Um, I'm putting a minus 20 and a half point spread Ooh. on this game. Yeah, I, I feel really confident about Chaminade here. Uh, if if I if I was a bookie, I I'm I'm giving as many points as I can to Burgeon. Because despite them being one of the better teams in the Northeast, Chaminade is a buzzsaw and every team they play is butter. Uh, and, and I think it's gonna be like that until until they play. Miami Central. I think they play Heritage next week. Um, yeah. I don't think that's going to be pretty. Um, I know that's probably going to be the game we're going to – I think that's going to be the game you and I will probably end up being at on yeah, Friday sure. night. Uh, but I don't I don't think it's going to be close. I think that Chaminade has just turned the corner in a way that nobody wow. else has. Just so much talent. And if Josiah Trader is playing in that game, it could get really ugly. I wouldn't be surprised to see them hold JoJo out for week five. Just because, you know, we heard it was, uh, you know, there were early indications it could be a serious shoulder injury, right? Collarbone shoulder injury. It turned out to not be that. He, he's going to be healthy. It's more of a sprain, bruise type type injury, and he's going to be good. Um, and listen, Jeremiah Smith, monster. We know what he can do. The running game, they have a kid behind Davion Gauss who is a true freshman in high school. Like, I mean, listen, he's a freshman, 2027 kid. Arwen Jackson, Miami fans should really keep tabs on that name because he just nabbed his first 100-yard game against Cardinal Gibbons, who's a really good team in my opinion. And he's the future of South Florida. As a freshman, he's wearing number two for Sean Manat. So that tells you how good this kid is. So I, I think yeah. that they're going to run through American Heritage next week. Uh, early wow. early hey, spreads, hey, I'm going to put like – yeah, we'll wait for that next week, man. We'll, we'll, we'll be here same time, same time <laughs> next week, and we'll talk all about that game and see if they indeed blow the doors off a of Persian Catholic, and uh, we'll see if Columbus, uh, you know, keep, keeps stays behind Western, and, and we'll see if Creek takes down the Wildcats. Well, we'll see all of that next week. That's gonna let's let's wrap it up. 
uh, for this edition of the Storm Tracker Podcast. Once again, make sure you subscribe subscribe to canescounty.com, part of the rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel, live from Canes County. Um, I've been doing some, some live stuff from the stadium. Make sure that you tune into that on Saturday where I'm on the field before the game. Uh, I filmed uh, the Canes walk as well. Um, so look out for that on game day, of course, and make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. That is going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. <laughs>